In June 2017, 33-year-old rock climber Alex Honnold, he scaled El Capitan. Uh, that's a 3,000-foot granite wall at uh, Yosemite National Park, and it's considered by many the most challenging climb in the world. And he did it, uh, he was the first person to do it, uh, free climbing or, or uh, a free solo. No equipment, no ropes. And at one point, he was just hanging from his thumbs a thousand feet above the ground. And I thought, that was, that's pretty interesting. Um, but I wouldn't share that if, if that were it. Uh, the part that I really liked was his training. His training uh, is a lifestyle known as dirtbagging. That's, that's, that's what he calls it. Um, but he lives out of a van most of the year on purpose. And he drives around and he trains by climbing different things. And, and uh, he chooses to not, not have a, a shower every day. And, and he, he said that there's a reason for it, though. And I really liked uh, his explanation. He said, I'm probably more intentional with the way I live than virtually anybody. I have made clear choices about what I find value in what risks I'm willing to take. I'm doing exactly what I love to do. It's very easy for someone sitting on the couch at home to condemn it as, as crazy and stupid. But I can justify all my choices. Can you say the same about your life? I thought that was just a really good question. He can justify all of his choices, even, even with people uh, from the outside thinking this isn't right. Um, but can we do that with, with our lifestyle? And, and I think after we read the story this morning... Uh, we're, we're going to have a chance to ask ourselves, do we, can we justify our choices? Um, see, life is full of choices, and we say that we don't really have a choice sometimes, but I think maybe there are a few exceptions, but for the most part, we have a choice. I mean, almost in, in everything. We can say that, well, we don't because of, of work or, or family or, or friends, or, but really, we, we do have a choice in, in about everything. But we have this other thing, this uh, weapon or a counter to making decisions that we don't want to make or, or decisions that we, we choose one way, but maybe we know it's not the best. So we have this, this thing, this weapon, and, um, and I read this story that kind of helps to explain it. Uh, Zig Ziglar's brother, Judge Ziglar, uh, he talks about uh, these two guys. Um, a guy wanted to borrow his next-door neighbor's lawnmower, and the guy said, um, well... All the flights have been canceled from New York to Los Angeles, so you can't borrow it. And he said, well, what, what does that have to do with, what does all the flights from New York to Los Angeles being canceled have to do with me borrowing your lawnmower? And he said, well, really, it, nothing at all, but, but if I don't want you to borrow my lawnmower, is it one excuse as good as another? See, excuses. Um, we're, we can make these things sound really good. Uh, we, we, can, uh, we can even use God as, a, as an excuse for our words and actions and behavior. Sometimes we say, well, I'll, I'll, I'll pray about it. But do we really? I mean, do we do that all the time, or do we just, are we trying to buy time or hope that they move on to the next person? Um, well, this summer, we're going through the parables. Parables of Jesus are stories. And so they kind of stand alone, um, but many are connected and have a, have a similar message. Um, but this morning, we're in Luke uh, chapter 14, and we're at this story that has a lot to do with excuses. And it also has a lot to do with uh, parties or a banquet and with uh, graduation parties. We've had a lot of those, and this is kind of wedding season. And so you know what I'm talking about. These are, these are uh, formal big events that are uh, usually for certain people. Um, and this is, uh, so this is what we're going to get to is um, when we get invited, sometimes we go, um, sometimes we don't. But sometimes we want to go, 
and maybe we can't because we have an excuse. And other times we really we don't want to go, but we feel obligated, and we feel like we don't have a choice. Um, but, but I want you to know that really we, we do have a choice in all of those. And this morning, this story, we learned that we've all been invited to a party. We're going to talk about what that looks like in a little bit. We're going to look at the story about the party. And before we get to that story, right before, I'm not going to read all of it because uh, it doesn't really, it, it's, uh, it's a separate passage. Um, it's not a part of the story, but Jesus is talking to some people. And he's talking about being humble. He says, don't, don't be prideful, be humble. When, he said, when you follow God, love, love people who can't give you something. Love everyone. And so Jesus is really teaching what it means to follow God. And then all of a sudden, this guy cuts him off. And this is where we begin in Luke 14, chapter, or verse 15. It says, when one of those at the table with him heard this, all that, those teachings, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Now, this guy doesn't want to talk about what it means to live for God. He doesn't want to talk about what it means to, to get there. Uh, he doesn't want to talk about the journey. He just wants to say something very superficial, and it sounds very good. Um, yeah, blessed is the people who are there, but he's uncomfortable talking about what it means to live, live out your faith, to be obedient to God. And this morning, I, I think you might want to do the same at times. This story makes me a little uncomfortable. Um, when I re read this parable and some of the things that I'm going to share this morning, I, I don't know, maybe I don't want to offend people. I mean, people come to church because you, you want to be inspired, but I feel like today is kind of a challenge more than anything. Um, and so, so here's what happens. Jesus sets this man straight with, with this story. Verse 16, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. So first of all, what's the banquet? Well, there's some other passages in the Bible that explain it, I think, a little bit better than I can. In Revelation 3, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. Then later in Revelation 19, let us rejoice and be, be glad and give the glory to him for the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. So it's a union between Jesus and the church, Jesus and us. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, uh, right, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Blessed are those who are invited, right? Just like the other, other person, he said, blessed are those who are there. Well, this is a little bit different because we're all invited. The banquet is your invitation to heaven. And see, invitations then, they worked a little differently, but kind of the same. See, two invitations were sent out in a way, but not, not mailed. Uh, they had servants that would go around and they would tell people, hey, put this on your calendar. This is when the banquet is. This, was, this is when the wedding is, or this is when the uh, graduation party is. I don't, I don't know if they had those back then. Um, but, uh, but those things, uh, 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 the other part is the save the date. Um, so have you, does anybody have a save the date on their refrigerator for a wedding? Yeah, you know how, soon, or how, uh, how long ahead those things come out? I mean, we have one on our refrigerator that's for a wedding in August of 2023. We don't, we don't really have that. Um, 
but it feels like it, doesn't it? Like, like there's a wedding we need to think about that, oh, it's not for, for two years. Um, well, it was kind of like that, but I, I said it's a little different because what happened then was the invitation, the servant would go out and they would tell people when it is. The second time they came back, actually what they did was just say, hey, it's time to go. They couldn't preserve food the same way, so, uh, so they would come back and they would say, all right, the party's about to start. I mean, in the text, it says, come for everything is now ready. So you can't really back out then. I mean, they've already cooked your food, right? So um, in the story, it's the day of the party. It's not just a, a second invitation months ahead. The food has been prepared for the guests, and here's what the guests said. Verse 18, but they all alike begin to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field, and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. And so the first man's excuse was his wealth. Now, this was a really bad excuse because you wouldn't go and um, buy the field first and then go look at it afterwards. But his excuse was a possession. Maybe it's a hobby. Um, it would be something that you would, you would make money and then you would spend it on something. And, and so we know what that's about. We make money. We have maybe discretionary income, things that you can spend it on. Well, that's what he did with this. Um, and so I think we have to ask then, how does this apply to us if, if we're the um, the, the, the person with wealth, which uh, we all have some kind of wealth, uh, what are we, what are we um, using as an excuse to follow Jesus, to go to church, to serve, uh, to love other people with everything we have? Now, who, who would like, if you had a choice between having less money or more money, who would pick less money? I don't believe you. Um, <laughs> Maybe, maybe there's one in here, but for the most part, myself included, I would, I would definitely choose more money. Um, but I, I do believe that, that it might be possible for money to be a distraction. Um, not just money, but what it does is it adds more choices. See, if you have more money and you buy more things, well, then you have to maintain more things, and you have to clean more things. And, uh, and if you have more money, then you might get more hobbies, and then you have to spend time doing that. And it just, it becomes a distraction, and all of a sudden we have a lot of choices, which might mean that we have a lot of excuses for other things that might be more important. See, Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, it's not a, this is not a, a money sermon. Um, this is a sermon about choices. Um, excuses are the counter, but really it comes down to what decisions will you make? See, because even Jesus had to make a choice, uh, and really about, about money. Um, I read this article called The Reason for Jesus' Poverty, and it was written by a martyred saint in the fourth century, so a long time ago, but I think it still applies a lot. It says this, The Lord of all comes as a slave amidst poverty. The hunter has no wish to startle his prey. Choosing for his birthplace an unknown village in a remote province, he is born of a poor maiden and accepts all that poverty implies, for he hopes by, by stealth to ensnare and save us. If he had been born of high rank and amidst luxury, unbelievers, would, unbelievers would have said that the world has been transformed by wealth. If he had chosen uh, as his birthplace the great city of Rome, they would have thought the transformation had been brought by civil power. Suppose he had been son of an emperor, they would have said, well, how useful is it to be powerful? Imagine him the son of a senator, it would have been, 
Look what he can accomplish by legislation. But in fact, what did he do? He chose surroundings that were poor and simple, so ordinary as to be almost unnoticed, so that people would know it was the Godhead alone that had changed the world. This was his reason for choosing his mother from among the poor of a very poor country and for becoming poor himself. So if Jesus did this, but then we choose wealth over him, what message does that send, both to him and to the unbelievers who are looking for hope, who are looking for something different? The people who are in a world full of people pursuing wealth, and then all of a sudden, well, I heard about Jesus, and he loves people more, but do we send that message when we choose wealth over Jesus? The next guy had a different excuse. He said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. The second man's excuse was his work, another bad excuse and another lie. See, just like you wouldn't buy land without looking at it, you wouldn't go and buy a yoke of, five yoke of oxen without looking at them first. And I get that most of us, or many of us, have to work. Um, again, it's a choice, but we, we want to have a house and food and things like that. Um, and uh, I, I feel like I'm fortunate enough to, to be able to work at a, at a church. Because I feel like most of the time that I'm working, I could be doing it for Jesus. I have the opportunity. But I have to confess, sometimes my, my first, uh, my primary motivation in my daily work is not always serving Jesus. Sometimes I just want to get my sermon written so I can go home and uh, spend time with my family or, or do something fun. Um, not that it's not right, it's not fun to write sermons, but uh, sometimes I, I have to visit people um, who are sick or um, in, in other places, and, and sometimes I don't really want to, um, but I just, I want to make people happy, you know, and then there are times that I just, I need to get the hours in so I can, so I can uh, do some other stuff. Now, if this were, if this were the case every day, then you should hire a different minister, but I'm, I was honest enough to tell you this, so please believe me that this is not my, this is not me all the time. Um, just occasionally, mostly on like Wednesdays and Thursdays. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but on those days, I've unintentionally used my work as an excuse to not follow Jesus. And then second, when you don't work at a church or maybe for something that maybe you do a job that it feels like, well, I can't really help people through that. Um, I worked at, at Caterpillar for four years, and, uh, and I felt like I was just making money so that I could um, help people later, but um, I have two friends, uh, still, they're, they're friends, I still talk to them occasionally, um, I call them friends, I don't know if they call me friends, but about 12 years ago, I met these guys, and uh, neither of them went to church, and, and they, they weren't Christians, and one of them, he, um, well, I always thought, man, if we had Tim, is his name, if we had Tim on our side, like, he always does the right thing, I just, I just wish he were a Christian so that people would look to him as an example. And uh, now he's going on mission trips, and he, he called me a, a little while back, and he, he apologized for giving away a Bible that I had given to him uh, while working there. And, um, and I forgot that I even gave it to him, but, but he said that meant a lot to him, and, and that um, me sharing Jesus with him is what led him to be interested. And I don't say that to talk highly of myself because... Um, I didn't even remember doing it. It might have been someone else, and he just confused him for me. But, um, but I want you to know that you can make a difference, uh, no matter where you're at. 
Um, maybe it's in, in a factory. Maybe it's at, at school or um, even, even if you're in a field a lot, you know, there's a lot of farmers. Well, you, you still talk to people. We can love people. We can be generous. We can be kind and caring, and we can tell people about Jesus. And uh, this man in the story, though, like many of us can do at times, is we have this one claim that I'm too busy. It doesn't matter what it is. We, it doesn't have to even be at work. We just say, oh, I'm, I'm too busy. Um, we're going to see how that works out for him later in the story. Uh, the last guy has one more excuse. It says, verse 20, still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The third man's excuse is his wife. And this one's my favorite because he's so honest. Like, he doesn't have a real, he just says, no, I got married, I'm not coming. Um, now, he, he could have justified it. There, there's a place in the Bible, in Deuteronomy chapter 20, I found it this time, it says, the officer shall say to the army, has anyone built a new house and not yet begun to live in it? Let him go home or he may die in battle and someone else may begin to live in it. Has anyone planted a vineyard and not begun to enjoy it? Let him go home or he may die in battle and someone else enjoy it. Has anyone become pledged to a woman and not married her? Let him go home or he may die in battle and someone else marry her. Um, all these were justifiable reasons to not go to war. But none of these are reasons to not follow Jesus. These are not excuses that can be accepted uh, when we, are, we have been invited by Jesus. We're going to see uh, in the end of the story what that actually means. Um, so basically, this guy is choosing his family over being obedient to God. And as much as I, I like him the most, this is the toughest excuse. I think this is the hardest one because this guy is choosing family over being obedient to God. This is the one that we accept and we're okay with in the church. Uh, see, if I, if I skipped church and I went golfing, well, I'd probably be fired because I'm being paid to be here, but let's say if someone else did um, and you, you, uh, you skipped and went golfing, you, you might feel bad. Um, or you might, uh, if someone else found out and they called you out on it, maybe you'd feel like, oh, I shouldn't have done that probably. But if my kids are involved in sports, well, then it's not a problem anymore. See, I, I don't know when we decided that our kids' happiness or athletic opportunities have become more important than Jesus. And I get it because, you know, they only play on Sundays. That's the only time we can do this league. Well, we only have church on Sundays. Life is about choices. This is, this is a tough one. Um, I know some people who counter this. We have people who go to first service so that uh, they can go do stuff in the afternoon. You know, they're always here at second service, but then they have this thing they have to do, and, and they, they come early. Uh, they made a, a decision because they, it was still important. But I say this on, on parent dedication because you're going to have choices with your kids. And in order to dedicate your child, you have to dedicate yourself first. You have to be dedicated to God, or your child will watch your example, and they will follow it. And I don't know where you're going to lead them. It's really important. There, there are some examples of uh, what we might choose over Jesus. There's just a couple listed here, but there are going to be so many other choices in life um, as you lead yourself, as you lead your families. There are, uh, there are even some internal excuses. I came across this list, uh, this thing Rick Warren wrote, um, and I'd like you to, I'm going to read the list and the excuse that every person has. And just think about, is maybe one of these me? Is one of these holding me back? He says, Abraham was old, Jacob was insecure, Leah was unattractive, Joseph was abused, Moses stuttered, 
Gideon was poor, Samson was codependent, Rahab was immoral, David had an affair and all kinds of family problems, Elijah was suicidal, Jeremiah was depressed, Jonah was reluctant, Naomi was a widow, John the Baptist was eccentric to say the least, Peter was impulsive and hot-tempered, Martha worried a lot, the Samaritan woman had several failed marriages, Zacchaeus was unpopular, Thomas had doubts, Paul had poor health, and Timothy was timid. That's quite a variety of misfits, but God used each of them in his service. He will use you too if you stop making excuses. That's, that's, a, that's a big list. I think probably all of us could at least relate to one or, or more. I, I know I, I can relate. I, well, uh, let me pick one out real quick. I, I didn't plan this. Moses stuttered, and, and my wife told me that I, I repeat my thing. Uh, when I come up here, I say something, and I say it again, and and now you all know, so you're going to listen for it, and it's going to distract you. But, um, but isn't it odd, though, that the, the person who is stuttering and can't get the words out is standing up here, you know? Um, but it could be, any of you could do anything if you believe God is leading you to do it. And I don't mean like everyone could do everything, but you can do something, and there's probably something that's holding you back. There's something that makes you think, I'd really like to serve there, but I don't think I, I can do that. We have spiritual gifts. We have that assessment there. That's going to help you to understand where can I use my gifts because you have one. We've, we've been given gifts. So instead, we focus more on our excuses and we let that control our lives. And, and how did it work out for those people? Let's look in verse 21. It says, The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant. Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room. And the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. That's kind of harsh. But I, I read this passage and there's this one phrase that stood out to me so much. It says, compel them to come in, all right? Well, um, what, what this is, is God invited the people through the prophets, and then Jesus was the second invitation, and the religious, re, religious elite refused it, and so the church is supposed to first go to the city, bring in the Jews, and then, uh, well, there's still room, so go outside the city, the Gentiles. These are the people who would think there is no way I'm invited. These are the people that think, no, I'm not, I'm not welcome to that party. See, the words compel them to come in, not just, hey, there's a, there's a party, come and eat with us. Uh, no, the, the servants, first of all, uh, probably wouldn't have been received as well, but these people who are outside the city, they're thinking, nope. And you know, you know, we have those people around us. We have people who think, well, I can't go to church because they don't really want me in. They, they wouldn't think, forget about going to heaven. I don't even want to walk into the church because that will burn down or I'll get struck by lightning. We've, we've heard those, those uh, and, and you know, those are cute, but they're not really because someone feels that they're not worthy. Someone feels like Jesus doesn't love them. God doesn't, doesn't, isn't going to forgive them. Well, that's not true. And so what do we do? We don't just throw it out there. You know where my church is. You can come Sunday morning, compel them. It's, it's more like I, I'm going to try to encourage you and I'm going to beg you and I'm going to explain and, and love you and do anything I can to get you to come because the invitation's for them as well. Refusing Jesus now 
whether it's entertainment or work or busyness or even family, it won't sit well. We see the story here. Jesus, these are Jesus' words, not mine. So at some point, we have to decide. I want to close with one last story of someone who I think had to, had to make a pretty big decision. It, it, it says this, After living as a quadriplegic for 45 years, Joni Erickson Tata reflected on the diving accident that changed her life. As a 14-year-old, Joni had embraced Jesus as her Savior, but in her words, she had confused the abundant Christian life with the great American dream. Joni said, I was a Christian and would lose weight and get good grades and get voted captain of the hockey team, go to college, marry a wonderful man who made 250000 a year, and we'd have two and a half children. It was, I don't know how that's possible either. It was me-focused. What can God do for me? I almost thought that I had done God a great big favor by accepting Jesus. Oh, and my boyfriend and I were doing some things together that were wrong. So in April of 1967, she said, I came home from a Friday night date and cried, Oh God, I'm staining your reputation by saying I'm a Christian, yet doing one thing Friday night and another Sunday morning. I'm a hypocrite. I want you to change my life. Please do something in my life that will jerk it right side up because I'm making a mess of the Christian faith in my life, and I don't want that. I want to glorify you. Then I had a diving accident about three months later. Immediately after the accident, her prayer changed a little. She said, to God, you'll never be trusted with another of my prayers. But she wrestled with that. She struggled. And then she said, she had no choice. Well, she did have a choice. She said, I prayed one short prayer that changed my life. Oh God, if I can't die, show me how to live. That was probably the most powerful prayer I ever prayed, she said. See, Joni had many choices taken away from her. She was in a diving accident, and she, um, uh, she, she lost feeling. I mean, she lost use of her pretty much her entire body. Um, and so she lost a lot of choices, but the one decision she still had to make was to trust God. Now, I hope that we don't have to go through anything like that, but I do believe our souls are more important than our bodies. So would you, without excuse, pray a similar prayer to what she prayed? Oh, God, show me how to live. See, earlier in the banquet, I said that your invitation is to heaven. But I want to read a couple passages, and this really is about it. It's at, uh, John 7 says this, uh, verse 37, On the last day and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Then he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. He says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. See, your invitation to the banquet is your invitation to Jesus. That's what this is about. Maybe there'll be some kind of banquet. I don't, I don't know. I haven't, I've never been to heaven. Um, but I know that the scripture points to Jesus. He says he's the bread and he's the living water. So when we're invited to, um, to, to heaven, we're invited to spend eternity with Jesus. So what we can do now, not knowing exactly what it's going to be like, we can get to know Jesus. We can, we can study the scriptures. Uh, we can start to live like he tells us to live and see how that, how that works and find the fulfillment that he promises us. This is the life that Jesus gives us, and we, we do have a choice. We can make the excuse 
where we can accept Jesus as our Savior and our Master. Let's pray. God, thank you so much uh, for giving us a choice. Thank you even more for giving us something to choose uh, that's greater than what we have and what we can, can obtain or do in this world. And so I pray for, I pray for parents as they're raising their, their kids. I pray for uh, every individual here uh, that, that we don't just choose stuff that's okay for now, uh, but we look to the future and we look to something that you've offered us that's so much greater. And so I pray that we choose the great over the good and accept your blessings and live a life that you've called us to live so that we can share your love with the world. Thank you for Jesus. It's his name we pray.